Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So praise God. Um, we, uh, we are now on the road to Pentecost, five weeks' time. And so today, I want to begin a little series called Life in the Spirit. Next week, I believe we're going to have our Israel team do a bit of a presentation um, for us. So we're going to get kind of, um, you know, a feeling for, for what they experienced in Israel. I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, last week, I wanted this, this is a little kind of intro to the message this morning. Last week, we spoke about the compassion of Jesus. Um, that came into the service. And when he was approaching the city of Jerusalem, he began to cry and he wept over the city. He wept over its people. And, you know, whenever, whenever someone important to you begins to cry over something, you take notice of it. And when, you're, when, you're Lord, when the Lord Jesus begins to, to weep over something, you're like, Why, what has moved him so much that he's weeping this way? So we should really pay attention, attention to it. If, it. if it drew tears from him, we should pay attention to what it is that was going on in his heart. And, um, you know, in uh, John chapter 17, he's been, had the Last Supper, and he's with his disciples, and he's, he knows that he's going to be crucified on a cross. And so he begins to speak to them and pray over them. And these words of his are probably some of the most important words that he's ever said. And so whenever someone, I don't know if you agree with me or not, when someone is on the, near to death, the words that they say can be the most important words that they've ever said. They can be the most meaningful words that a person has ever said. They can also be the most positive or negative words a person's ever said. They can be the most vengeful words someone's ever said. So they can be a blessing or a curse, but nonetheless, when someone knows that their end is near, what they say is important. Amen. Um, I read the statistic that um, in, in, in the USA, where the death penalty is still carried out, um, 68% of death row inmates who are executed, in their final, they are given a chance to say their final words. The, the subject of love came up 68% of the time. They spoke about love in some form, being loved or loving someone. And, and so it's very, very important to pay attention to the, this. And so... Um, I believe that in John 17 from verse 9, Jesus is spilling his heart's desire for the church. Can you go there in your Bibles today? John 17, verse 9. It says there, my prayer is not for the world. I believe this is a word for this church just now and for the church. My prayer isn't for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you've given them to me so that they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So Jesus' heart is, Father God, unite my people just the same way as I'm in unity with you. And this is shortly before he's going to go to the cross, okay? 
Verse 12, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one of them was lost except for the one that betrayed me. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You who are sitting here today are people, you are the all who have believed. So the Bible's not irrelevant. It's like, oh, what's that got to do with 2023? The fruits of, of what God has done in the past are sitting in this church today. You're all here for a reason today. If you walked in off the street today because let's go and see what that place is like or whatever, you're here for a reason. The same, same, same as when I, you know, when we first started going to, ch- God has just designed it so that you're in church today. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. So he's talking about these, his disciples, his followers being united, being as one. And although they're in the world, they're not of the world, okay? They belong to him. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. So may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So the, one of the ways of reaching the world and, 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 and um, convincing the world that, 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 that Jesus lived and died is to be in unity. You got, uh, it, the world needs to see it in you. The world needs to see it in me. Even when I don't feel like it, the world needs to see it. I have to, I have to go for unity. Father, I want those whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. So I just wanted to start off this short message this morning by reading that we, must, we have to be of one heart, one mind, and one spirit. We're all uniquely different people with uniquely different talents, gifts, and abilities, and personalities, might I add. All uniquely different, but we all have the ability, believe it or not, we all have the ability to get along. We all have the ability to walk the walk that the Bible asks us to walk, to love one another, amen, to have grace and mercy, to, long, to have patience, kindness, to suffer long with one another, amen, and all of these things. So we're going to go on a little journey between now and Pentecost in this Life in the Spirit series. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit and, well, how do, you, do I have the Holy Spirit in me? Well, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you're born again, then you have the Holy Spirit, okay? But, but there's more, right? Yes, there's more. There's the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the baptism in water. There's being clothed in the Spirit. There's walking in the Spirit by faith. There's seeing through the eyes of the Spirit. Well, what are you talking about, seeing through the eyes of the Spirit? Are you going to start talking about all this supernatural stuff now? yes. Because it's how, the, it's how a Christian lives their life. We see, we see through natural eyes, but we, have a, we, ha, we can see through spiritual eyes. 
Um, the spirits of God, the gifts and the operations of the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit help you practically every day? Does it help you intellectually? Does he help you relationally? Does the Holy Spirit in influence your relationships with people? Yes, he does. Why do Christians feel discouraged? You could say that about the wider population, but in particular believers. Why do they feel discouraged? Why do they feel defeated? Is it because we sometimes seek an experience that's short-lived and we don't get a consciousness of the Holy Spirit and live with that every day, live life in the Spirit every single day? And I, I'm, I'm a very uh, compulsive pers person. I don't know what personality type that is. Um, but um, short dopamine hits, excitement, bang, five minutes, whoa, that was amazing, let's do it again. The older you get, the less you want to do it again. Um, I tried to ride a roller coaster once, um, the, 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 the theme park was empty, and I thought, this is my chance, I'm going to get off this roller coaster and go straight back to the, to the front and get around again. I only rode it once, and that was enough. So, but that is, we look for, we're experiential people. We want experiences that stimulate us and make, and, and, and sometimes in life and in, in Christianity, people are looking for experiences. But you can have a living experience every day if you get a consciousness of living with the Holy Spirit and listening to him. Amen? And spiritual growth. We, we're all designed to grow. You know, can you picture, this is going to be a horrible picture in your mind. Can you picture me here with a big nappy on this morning and, a, and, a, and a, with a dummy in my mouth? No, no, I told you it shouldn't have gone there. But um, we were not designed to remain babies. We were designed to grow up. And when you come into, into the kingdom of God, you come in as a, as a newbie, as a newborn, as a baby, and then you begin to grow and that you get the food of God's word and it helps you to grow. And so these are all things that we want to see people growing into maturity so that when the newbies come into the kingdom of God, we can look after them and raise them. You know what it says in, in Africa, it takes a village to raise a child, you know, very much so. That's why we're so thankful for our church family. So anyway, 28th of May is Pentecost Sunday. And you might, well, what's going to happen on Pentecost Sunday? Well, come and see. <laughs> come and see. But we're going to be sharing, in the meantime, the relationship between the believer and the Holy Spirit. And some of you are sitting here, you are the mature ones. You've heard the book of Acts preached, and you're going to be like, oh, no, Pastor Dave is going to preach on the book of Acts. I'm just going to put my AirPods in. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But the, the repetition is the motor of knowledge. I keep on saying this to the school pupils I work with. Repetition is the motor of learning. That's how we learn. And so I know that you'll be familiar and acquainted with the Holy Spirit, with the gifts and operations of the Holy Spirit. Um, and in fact, we just spent a few weeks in a series called Supernatural. So we've been talking about supernatural things. But if we look around us today, we do see many Christians who are discouraged and it's my opinion that it's because they do not live life in the Spirit. Discouragement comes very easily upon us. And that's why when we prayed at the start, the only way we can sustain life 
Our life is to have life in spirit. Amen? And so we need that. That's what makes the difference in your life if you're a believer. And if we become disconnected from life in the spirit, if we get out of contact with the spirit, then um, that means that we'll live our lives below the level of life that God intended for us to live. He does intend for us to live a good life. Not, not a perfect life or an easy life, but a life that he's involved in. Amen? Living with the Spirit. He doesn't want us to live mediocre lives. He doesn't want us to... He doesn't... He, and I sometimes feel totally mediocre. You know, but it's not what I feel about myself. It's what does God say about me? How does he see... How do, if you ask people that you know and that love you, how do you see me? I can guarantee you they will see more in you than you see in yourself. Amen? I mean, it's like... It's so I was thinking about that this morning. My, 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 we get the phone call from my son, Dad, um, I need this and this and this. I'll leave it outside the shed for you, son. And that's all fine, and uh, I know it will probably come back, and I might need to tidy it up a bit and wash it and put it away. But do you know what? And then, then I get a card from him on my birthday or at Christmas, and he, and he tells you how much he, you mean to him. You know what I'm saying? And um, this is the thing. A lot of people... You, you, you might not get this affirmation all the time, but people value you. And God values you. And he values your life. And he just wants an opportunity to, to tell you that. And living life in the Spirit gives us a daily opportunity to hear his voice saying, um, you're doing good. Just stay, just keep on going. You're doing good. And he helps us and he develops us. Amen? So... Um, there's one thing that's connected vitally to the Holy Spirit, and that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so without the anointing, we can't do anything. And uh, we had an anointing service here after we fasted at the beginning of the year. We anoint people with oil. It's a biblical thing. And that anointing, the anointing is something that empowers the Christian for life. And the Christ disciples and his followers, they were empowered by God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. All right? That's the day. They were given power. They were immersed into the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Okay? And that power, the Bible says, was so powerful that it shook the house. It was so powerful that the place that they were in was shaken. I get the impression it was like a, a tremor a shaking. And so that power, the anointing, the anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit came over all of these people in the upper room of this building. And this was the fuel, the anointing was the fuel that powered the early church. And we all know that 3,000 people were quickly added to the early church. We couldn't even fit 3,000 people in here. Well, do you know what? I'll give it a go. <laughs> we, we just all we need is a mezzanine and very in people standing room only. We, who knows? Amen. But you know, it's it's almost like that Reinhard Bonnke tent thing. It's like oh, I'm building this big tent for this big big crusade, and a storm came and blew the tent away, 
and totally destroyed it. And it was only after the tent was blown away and destroyed that he found out that the people that were coming to the crusade would never have fit into the tent. So he said, well, the God says, I don't need your tent. <laughs> and all the people, 70,000 people came to the crusade. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so this was what power, empowered the church, the early church. And I believe that in Scotland today, and if you have got a heart for Scotland, if you've got a heart for your country, or from wherever country that you're from, whether it be Africa, America, Asia, if you have a heart for your country, then I believe that God wants to do something in your life and anoint you to reach the people of your country. He wants to um, uh, anoint men and women, boys and girls, to go and do his mission. Amen. He needs, and we need to reach the lost with the love of Jesus. We need people with the anointing to go and do it. Not just a dry word, not just something that this is my philosophy on life and there's a bit of Jesus in it. It's the anointing. And it's the anointing, the Bible says, that breaks the yoke. When we walk out, when we, if you walk down Cowinning Main Street, I guarantee you, you're going to meet some people who are under a yoke. They are like, have like a burden on them and it's pressing them down, it's grinding them down into the earth, and the anointing breaks the yoke. It's when we speak through eyes of love, when, you know what, you, and this is why we always need to be care, how, what frequency are we communicating on with people? Do people just hear blah, 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 or do they see you connecting with them through your eyes, through your words, through your actions, all of these things? And we have to decide, the church has to decide it's time. It's time for the power of the Holy Spirit to flow. It's time for the oil to flow. It's time for us to see with the eyes of the Spirit. It's time for the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated. And it's time. It's overdue. We need to begin to do this. Consider our commitment to God's presence. Seek Him and wait for Him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, it says there that God's eyes roam to and fro all over the earth seeking for those who would be fully committed to Him. And what does He say? He says, I'll strengthen those people who are fully committed to me. And so I, Pastor Tom Engel said this one time. He says, it occurred to me, why is the Lord looking for people who are fully committed to him? It's maybe because they are not just everywhere. They have to be sought. They have to be found. So people is, God is looking for that. So that day in the upper room, a new breed of believer was born. And um, if there's anyone that knows about breeding, I know that we've got some horse people here and there's people that love their dogs and that you do this with this dog and that dog and you get this dog and their breeding is quite, quite a thing. And it's like, well, if we add a little bit of this or take a little bit of that away, we will eventually get just the, the kind of animal that we're looking for. And these people here, they had the addition of the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit added to their lives. And so um, they became transformed. The Holy Spirit came down. Okay, the Bible tells us it was like tongues of fire 
above them, like come, come down and transformed them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you go to John chapter 3 for me? John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And this is a message today for anyone sitting here this morning that hasn't yet invited Jesus into their life. And I want to read this. John chapter 3, it says there, and this is Jesus speaking to this man called Nicodemus. And in verse 3, it says, um, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is what awaits us after we die. All right? Now, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is being established on the earth, but the kingdom of God is like if you ask them, do you believe in the afterlife? You're going to get all sorts of answers from that. But he's saying to, to Jesus, you know, what's how and Jesus says to him, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God or experience it in the here and the now. I should add that. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Does he go back into his mother's womb for a second time and be born again? So you can understand the question. Jesus answered him and said, I, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and of the Spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God because that which is born of the flesh, like me, born from my mom, out of her womb, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So in 1981, when I, when I made a decision as a boy to receive Jesus Christ as my savior, I was born again for the second time. The, uh, it was my second birth, my spiritual birth. My spirit up, up until that time was probably, and I could probably say this, pretty, it just never came into it. It was dead. It was just a, a natural spirit, you know. And so anyway, that's what it, what it means. So the spirit is important. We need the spirit. We need the spirit in us to live life in the spirit, all right, and to be born again. Okay, so anyway, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. What did Pentecost enable the followers of Jesus to do? Well, they had a purpose because God, Jesus says, this is my great commission. You guys are going to go out into all the world and you're going to make disciples of, of, of men. Okay, you're going to reach them. And so just as they had, Jesus had promised, not only now had they their purpose for living, but they had the Holy Spirit, to help them to live it, okay? This reminds me that God never gives you something to do without giving you the means to do it. So that would be like me saying to, you know, um, to Nathan, son, I need you to go and dig a hole for a fence post. And he says, dad, can I have a spade? And I say, so just go and dig the hole. And I don't give him any, see him out there with his hands, you know. So God always gives us the means by which to do something. Isn't that a good, good thing? Because he, he's called us to accomplish a task. He gives us the ability to do it. And he doesn't do anything without a purpose. And he doesn't do anything with a design in mind to help us to do it. And his purpose, he wants his church, that's us, he wants us to reveal his glory, like we prayed at the beginning, let the principalities, powers in, of this world, let them see my glory through you, my church. Let them see you. Let them see my glory through you as an individual. Send the message to them that you're a child of God and that they cannot just come and do whatever they want around you. 
And then we begin to get into the realms of walking in the authority of the name of Jesus and understanding who we are in Christ. Amen? It says, go to all of creation and reveal my glory to them. We said this last week, last couple of weeks I've been saying this, God wants to do something with your life. We don't know what's going to happen later this year. We don't know what's going to, we don't know what awaits the world in 2024, 2025. God wants you to do something with your life. God wants to put, if I could put it this way, I've got another prop. God wants to put a a two-edged sword in your hand. He wants to put a two-edged sword in your hand. That's what he wants to do. And in Ephesians chapter 6, if you know Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. And it says that one of the pieces of the, one of, one of the elements of this whole, the weapons of our warfare is a sword. And this sword has got two edges on it. And sometimes the Bible refers to it as the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And the Word of God is called the Logos. And so you have this sword here. It's like God has given us a sword to use. And a sword, a sharp sword, does, um, it pierces, it slices, it cuts, and it penetrates. Doesn't it? Amen? And he's given us this. And um, this sword can be both offensive and it can be defensive, can't it? And... So the sword is designed with a two-edged sword. Whoever wields the sword, um, Peter, you probably know more about this than I do because you've got a great sword collection. But if you misuse this, the chances are you could injure yourself with one side of the sword. Okay? And so um, the the sword of the Spirit has the ability to not only um, cut to the... the, the, Well, I'll read it here in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and powerful. The logos of God, the sword of the spirit is alive and it's powerful in the 23rd of April, 2023. It's alive and powerful, right? And it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. So there's no sword that compares to it. There's no word that can stand up to God's word. Nothing compares to it. Nothing, nothing is more penetrating than, than it. It cuts between the soul and the spirit. The soul, the soul is my, I, I, we all have a soul. And that's where our, you know, our mind, will, and emotions, and reasoning, and all of that is, lives in our soul. And this cuts through between the soul and the spirit, between joints and marrow, and it exposes all of our desires of our heart and our thoughts. Amen. And in Psalm 149, verse 6, it says, May the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword be in their hands. So this works in conjunction with praise. The word and with just... The Lord said, If you will lift me up from the earth, I will draw men unto me. You lift Jesus higher, I will draw all men unto me. We just got to give God his place and his position. And when we have the high praises of God and when we praise him and we exalt, it, it's a word. I don't want to use too much Christian jargon because I know that there's people that don't understand it. But um, 
You know, we say we exalt God or extol Him. We enthrone Him. We put Him, we say, this, we're praising You. We're worshiping You. You're our Father in heaven. And we have a roar. Whenever we have a roar that accompanies the Word, it makes a difference. Amen? So, the purpose of Pentecost was to give us power for our mission. To give us power for our mission. Amen? Let me read this in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. The, the disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. We might see that mountain, I think. I don't know. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to, to obey the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? So God wants to use your life. He wants us to live with purpose. Without any, if we don't have a reason for living, if we don't have a mission to go on, if we don't have a purpose to fulfill, our relationship with the Lord will gradually deteriorate. We will have nothing. If we don't have a reason for living as a believer, we will not, our relationship with the Lord will gradually deteriorate because we need Him. Without mission, we'll be miserable. We need, we need, we need to be on the mission. On the mission. And when, when, when believers are, are soundless, they're signless. We have to keep our praise. We have, to keep our, we have to keep thankful hearts. We have to always do this. We have to speak the word because what happens after we speak the word, signs will follow. Signs always follow. So I want to encourage you this morning, just as I'm going to close off, that God's purpose is always accompanied by his power and the power is the power of the Holy Spirit. And Wherever we go, whenever we speak the word in power, we have to rely on the anointing to do that. Amen? That's what Jesus says. This, for this reason was the Son of God manifest to destroy the evil works of the enemy, of the devil. Whenever, God, whenever Jesus healed someone, power was present. Whenever Jesus set a captive free or liberated them, power was there. Whenever um, the, the power of God was present, Jesus could do miracles. Amen? He could do supernatural miracles. So when we find God's purpose for our lives, we'll have something to live for. And the final bit of this message is, God will, by His Holy Spirit, come in and start to tear your... Uh, maybe that's the wrong word. He'll begin to do something in your life that will separate, the Bible says, the wheat from the chaff. So there's things in our lives that God is going to burn up like with like fire. Yeah. And, and when that stuff is burned up, the Holy Spirit is, the Bible says, He is the, fat, the fan in the hand of the Lord. And that chaff gets, gets burnt up and it gets blown out. The only stuff that, that remains there is the stuff that could stand the heat of the fire. It's the only stuff that could get that could stay in the fire. Luke 3, chapter 16 and 17 says that, I baptize you with water, but someone mightier than I comes. His shoes I'm not worthy to loose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose fan, whose fan is in his hand, 
and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather the wheat into the granary, but the chaff he'll burn up with fire unquenchable. So the chaff and the wheat had to be separated, and that's the thing that God does in our lives. He, does, he begins to make a separation, flesh and spirit. And we have to then make the decision, are we going to live one foot in, in the world in Christianity or one foot uh, in, in God's kingdom? Or how, where, where, what line are we going to tread? And he says, well, I'm going to come and I'm going, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of sin, because of, we all have sinful natures and sin in our lives. But thank God he's forgiving and he's merciful. Amen. And he's coming to separate that because the chaff doesn't have any purpose. So whatever is in your life that is purposeless is going to be purged. Whatever is in your life that can accomplish a purpose is going to remain. And it's going to set you, it's going to make you steadfast and sure. And so um, it's no purpose. So the Holy Spirit separates the wheat from the chaff. Amen? God can't use anything in us that can't stand the heat of the fire. And the Bible calls it the refiner's fire. He purifies you. He'll purify your life. He'll purify your life. And he says in 2 Corinthians six seventeen, come out from among them. Sometimes we do have to come out from familiar places. Come out from among them and be separate don't touch anything unclean and I will receive you. Amen? Whatever God doesn't need, he wants to remove from us. Amen? So that he can have you as a vessel worthy of his honor and his glory. Just to go and to do, to move around. Daniel's in Japan. Daniel's in Japan. He is meeting folk. He is going around being a vessel of honor for the Lord. Amen. And so we pray, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will consume this church and you with his fire and that he will begin to blow out all the stuff that's not needed. And um, Psalms 104 says this, he makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flaming fire. He makes his ministers a flaming fire. I think that was actually the the title um, of one of Reinhard Bonke's books, um, A Heart, of, no, that's John Bevere, A Heart Ablaze. Uh, there's one of Reinhard Bonke's books on his crusades that is, I think it's called Fan the Flame or, or, or something along those lines. And that really, if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen Reinhard Bonke preach, it was as if he was on fire. It was as if the soles of his feet were up were on fire and he could not stop moving and he was just so zealous and consumed with getting people to come out of their old lives and to receive Jesus. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.